You're listening to Hawk Talk, the official podcast of Monmouth University Athletics. Here are your hosts, Eddie Acapinti and Greg Viscomi. Episode number 30 of Hawk Talk. 3-0. Greg Viscomi, Eddie Acapinti here with you. Uh, It doesn't feel like 30, does it? I mean, I'm not sure. I know it's spanned out over two seasons, but... 30's a lot, and I feel like we're just scratching the surface with some of these great stories that we can tell here. Yeah, definitely. Um, 30 is a lot, uh, and we've only missed like maybe five weeks total. I mean, we, we've been pretty we've, pretty, we've kept it to weekly pretty well. I would go so far as to say there's really not a missed week because all we've done there is allow the listener to go back Catch and up. listen. Right, or be like, man, I really missed that in-depth conversation with such and such yeah i mean it's hard to you know you're binging shows you're watching games you're coming to monmouth games there's only so much time that you can fit in your day so when we give you that catch-up week it's a gift yeah that's a good point you're welcome it's all in how you sell it you know, <laughs> listen nobody's better than you at it <laughs> we are we have a lot to talk about we have uh, obviously uh, caa competition underway the the fall sports underway and d- doing really really well across the board and we're so excited to welcome our guest and who we'll bring in in, in just a minute in lauren carabin from the uh, women's soccer team and uh, you know I, I feel like you can't talk about great starts to seasons without mentioning them and we'll go into much more depth with lauren throughout our conversation but a six and one start to the year and CAA play looming and just a tremendous start for, for Coach Flynn's team. And she was a previous guest on Hawk Talk, Greg. And I know we got a lot to go over and, and obviously we're excited to talk to Lauren. But um, it's almost like, I don't want to say old hat, but, you know, people have become accustomed to this team starting well, playing well, and so much more goes into it. But just another 6-1 and one start for the women's soccer team. It truly is amazing. I mean, it, it consistently it's the best program on campus. I don't think you can even question it. And like when we don't win, it's like a shock. Like, like I feel bad for these girls. Like it's almost like, a, um, I don't know. It's like a, a, a expectation that's completely unfair. I mean, it's ridiculous, but it's like, Oh, okay. Like they're playing Stonehill on Sunday. I'm like, hmm. first of all, I forgot that it was home, which is shameful on my end, but I just been wrapped up with football on Saturday. Um, but, Stonehill at home and and it's like okay it's an NEC school like two nothing three nothing but that's completely unfair and I don't know why we do that but it's a great thing to have because they're awesome. If you just watch box scores and live stats and broadcasts, it it doesn't do justice to the day in day out that goes into it. And we'll talk with Lauren about that and in, in so much more. Um, obviously, we have more at the end of our conversation today another home football game this mm-hmm. weekend that we'll get into much more detail when when the hawks welcome in georgetown um but so far a couple of weeks under our belt fall year caa how you feeling so far I, I feel great i mean our teams have done awesome i mean you know everybody knows it's going to be a step up in competition and that's one of the reasons why we made this move but um our teams are doing really well like men's soccer field hockey uh cross country's just started Football's 0-2. That's not exactly how they would like to start, but they've played two pretty good teams, and last week's game was a complete crazy shootout, um, which I think was entertaining, if nothing else. Uh, we were on SNY and, and NBC Philly, by the way. <laughs> pretty pretty <laughs> cool stuff. They have 14.4 million viewers. Um, have eyes on anything that Monmouth does. 
no matter what what the event or the whatever is. So I think all that stuff was really kind of cool. So um, we're rolling in, in, in our entree to the Colonial Athletic Association. Yeah, and, and you've seen teams begin CAA play already. Obviously, the football team started on the road at New Hampshire. We'll talk more about that a little bit later on, but um, we're happy to welcome our guest in now this afternoon, or today, I should say, on our 30th episode of Hawk Talk. And Lauren Carabin's going to join us. And, and Lauren, I want to start with something Greg just said. He mentioned stepping up in competition. He mentioned how that's kind of across the board for all the teams here at Monmouth. But I feel like it's a good place to start with you because it doesn't matter who's on the other sideline, who Monmouth's opponent is, whether it's a conference game, an opponent that Monmouth is perceived as better than, or an opponent that is perceived as better than Monmouth. I feel like you and your teammates kind of always go about business the same way. So uh, first of all, thanks for joining us. And, and kind of secondly, you know, kind of what it means to you to be a part of this program, like Greg said, that's the most consistent and, and traditionally the best on campus. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, so our team, we have such a winning culture that going to the CIA, we knew that it wouldn't change anything that we're doing. In practice right now, we're extremely focused on ourselves and continuing to better our team and our program each and every day that when it comes time to scout the other teams and play them, we know that we're so confident in ourselves and our style of play that we know we're going to come out and we're going to dominate no matter what. Take us through how competitive those training sessions are. You know, this team, I feel like it doesn't matter if it's veterans like, you know, like you and Jesse Rossman and Liam Moore and, and or the young players that we've seen have really great starts to their career. Take us inside those training sessions. How competitive is it day in and day out with you and your teammates in practice? It's so competitive. Every day we challenge each other in every drill, even if it's not a drill that keeps score necessarily. If it's a passing drill, we challenge each other to get better with our touches, make cleaner passes. And then we do play those games and we keep track of like who's getting shots on goal, who's scoring goals, because those stats all matter. Because when you look at our game stats, we have so many goal scorers right now. And we also have clean sheets in most of our games. So credit to the defense and the offense, like we're getting everyone on the team is involved. And I think the main thing is that there's no drop off. Like in practice, it doesn't matter what team you're on. If we play three teams, all three of those teams are competitive teams and we're all working extremely hard to better ourselves. And it really makes for, you can change the uh, conference, you can change, you know, other things with Greg, but yeah, I think what Lauren said, I think we see it, but we don't go to practice every day, right? So we see it on the field, but it seems like it doesn't matter what's in front of them. It's the, it's the same level of intensity, you know, it's the same for the most part output all the time from this team. And it's been, I mean, you and I've been here a long time and that's been remarkable to watch over, you know, at this point over 15 years. Yeah. Like I, I gotta put my own voice up. Yeah, like I said, it's just it's it's a model of consistency, and I think there were some people, and and nobody inside this building, but I think there were some people on the outside who, who kind of thought that when Coach Turner left, that maybe there'd be some drop off, even though there was a ridiculous amount of talent on the team. But anytime you have a new coach or whatever, and and I was really pumped to see that there's been absolutely no drop off. I mean, they out take the Penn State game out of it, they've given up one goal in like five other games or six other games, actually one goal. I mean, that's ridiculous. And, and, you know, obviously our, our goalie's doing a great job, but like teams don't even really get quality shots. Um, and then we turn it around and we just score goals and it's like, Oh, okay. You want to double up on Lauren? Well, here comes somebody else to score. Okay. Uh, you want to double up on that person? Well, here comes somebody else. Here comes a freshman. Here comes a sophomore. And it's like, not even like senior laden. Like it's just, it's an awesome program to watch. And, and I don't, 
They get a lot of love, but they probably deserve a lot more. Six individuals have scored at least two goals, and it was the weirdest thing. So I think we broadcasted, was it the first three games or two of the first three games? I think it was first three. There were like eight or nine goals scored. It was nine nothing in those first three games. And Lauren, we were doing game. you know, I was doing the, the games with who I broadcast with, and like all of your teammates were getting in the act. How did it make you feel as someone who scored so many goals throughout your career to look and see all of those teammates and young players scoring and knowing how this team's identity is starting to take shape where you're like, wow, we've, we've, it's not two of us. It's a whole bunch. I know we're talking about it at length now, but the way the season started was unbelievable. Yeah. Having that many goal scorers and that many goals in general, we started three and oh, winning each game three, nothing. So Again, credit to the defense for all the shutouts that we're getting. But on the offensive end, everyone's scoring. And in the CAA, we know that we had to change up the way that we played. It couldn't just be two people up top because the better teams are going to defend those players and know how to play us. But we have so many offensive threats. Like you said, we had eight different goal scorers with those nine goals. And we can sub, we can rotate, we can all move around. Like They can't just focus on one player. They have to focus on our entire team coming forward. When you when you when you guys heard that we were accepting the bid to join the CAA, what was kind of the mindset of the team? Like, obviously, it's it's a great challenge and um, so much dominance in the MAC and the NEC. How excited was the team about? Like, hey, there are some legit teams in the CAA. I think we were really excited because I think, especially in the NCAA tournament, people don't take us as seriously because we were in the MAC and we were so dominant for so many years. It was just expected for us to win. Like you guys were saying earlier, like it was expected for us to win each game. And that doesn't really change in the CAA. We still go into every game expecting to win. But we know that there's better competition and that we will get more respect on our name when we come into the CAA and beat those teams. What about the non-conference portion of, of the schedule? You guys obviously um, opened up at, at Lehigh and jumped into Albany. But then, you know, you have Penn State, which was a battle, and you have uh, – Providence on there. Do, do you guys get excited about playing like a big, a big East team and a bit in a big 10 team? A hundred percent. Those are games that we get to show the rest of the country that we're competing with these big time teams. Penn state is in the top 10, I think, and Providence as well as bordering the top 25. So going to beat Providence with a dominant win to nothing is a big deal for us. And it just shows the CAA that we're coming in seriously and we expect to be a top dog in this league. And I think people don't realize that, you know, you see it read a lot online that, that we were chosen for the CAA because of our location. We were chosen for this. This was a football move. I've seen that rhetoric a thousand times. Um, make no mistake about it. If we were just chosen because of our location and because, in quotes, it was a football move, I don't know if the CAA is coming to us. They like the academic re- reputation, and they love the fact of how good and how much resource we put into all of our teams from top to bottom yeah, the depth of the success of the teams right. here they don't want to bring in you know they're not just bringing in a football team and then being like okay well the other 23 sports we have who cares like they literally said i've, I've had conversations with the commissioner where he was like we're excited to bring in a team that that maybe could push us to have two soccer teams in the ncaa you know multi-bid NCAA tournament uh, league in women's soccer. And we're excited that, you know, our, our baseball and our lacrosse teams or our, our softball and, and our baseball and our men's lacrosse team have been to the NCAAs like recently. And obviously men's soccer would had such a great run, you know, a couple of years ago. So um, our women's soccer program is as important to joining the CAA as any other program. I really do believe that. And that's just based on conversations I've had. So, 
um, it makes it makes sense to be putting our time and our effort and and giving these women some love. Well, and I also think that it shows in in not no slight to any other schools out there. If you care about one sport, maybe you're not as attractive in conference realignment as you think you might be. And this was something that was put in place, you know, from Dr. McNeil, and now Jeff Stapleton is doing it as well. I need a button that's a shade alert. No, but no, it's I'm true. Just kidding. No, and, you're not and, talking about anybody specific, but you're right. No, but I, I just feel like those are the moves that are being made. If you're an institution that supports your student athletes and through everything, things like this, you know, other opportunities, they take notice because they do well. So, uh, you know, I, I feel like it gets lost in the shuffle. Oh, they made the move because of X. And no, it wasn't one reason why we're doing something. And and to circle back to something, and, and I do want to get more into Lauren's story because it, it's unique. You know, it's funny how routes take you to certain places. But there's something that you said, Lauren, with, with your previous answer that I think people, and quite frankly, I'm curious to know. We mention how the success of the program is on externally almost taken for granted, right? It's expected this team's going to do well. But now take us into the the kind of day-to-day element of it. Do you guys block that noise out because the way the team handles its business, and I think it's from Coach Flynn, but it's also through the leaders of the team and you specifically. The way you handle your business seems very, um, you take nothing for granted, right? And there is no expectation of, oh yeah, we, we're going to roll the balls out. We know we're going to win. But take the listener into, and really take Greg and I, into kind of the inside of that and the internal um, work or messaging that goes on from veterans to young players to where that doesn't happen. Where Because when teams do that is when they kind of fall off. And we've noticed that just hasn't happened with this program. Yeah, so starting when we got here on August 2nd, our main quote and the culture we are trying to build is all around respect. We say it in the locker room. We say, give it, get it, live it. That's our thing this season. We're preaching respect. It's all over our locker room. It's all over our journals. We do so much trying to preach respect. And that's respecting your teammates by going out and competing every day. It's respecting your coaches by watching film and doing what they're asking you. And then we also respect each team that we play, no matter who they are, whether we think that we could go out there and we can win for nothing, or if it's a Penn State where we know that we have to maybe play a little more reserved and focus on defense, we're respecting each and every team that we play. And I think that's why we have such a great culture because we're respecting everyone that surrounds our program, including athletic trainers, our strength trainers, coaches, everyone. And I think that's why we stay so focused because we don't let anything get in the way of that. Excuse me. Speaking of respect, last night you guys – as a team went to uh, support one of your teammates in, in Aaliyah Moore um, at the Dr. Cornell West uh, conversation at the Count Basie theater. Um, how important was that? And I know we, we've had, a, we've talked to Aaliyah before about uh, her and Serena, like coming and, and bringing um, an uncomfortable conversation with all of you guys. And, and now fast forward, you know, two years or whatever. Now you guys are going to support her at an event like, how awesome was that event and, and and how much does that translate into like winning and, and being together? Yeah. So we're a team that we are super close right now and Aaliyah doing something as amazing as that. She was awesome. She rocked the stage. It was so incredible to be able to support her and also the message that she's sending. I think as a team, it's showing that we respect her and we respect the goal that she is trying to change this world. And we want to be there to support her during her journey to do that. When we heard about that too, I remember 
it got brought up. It got brought up in a meeting the other day, you know, here internally, and and they mentioned it was Dr. Cornell West. I'm like, wait, that's that's like a really famous person. Like I know I've heard him speak. So so the fact that Ali was able to share the stage with someone, you know, it's awesome. It, it, it is awesome, and and I feel like now that I'm, you know we've had Ali on, we've had Coach Flynn on. It's good that the women's soccer program is getting a lot of hawk talk. This, might, this might be become a women's soccer podcast. Well, I, I got to go back and look, but they might lead the. Do they lead in? I guests? think they lead in guests, and deservedly so. Well, I, exactly. So, Aaliyah, I think is an it's a nice tie-in because Aaliyah was a tremendous local student athlete as well, right? Mm-hmm. Who then who you know found her way to Monmouth. Lauren, in in a similar way, follows suit, and, and you know where you're from is such a soccer hotbed, but your route to Monmouth was a little bit different. So, as the recruiting process kind of happened, you know, we're curious. You know, what was that? The, the story, the way that you got here, you took a, a stop in Brookdale where um, you scored more goals in a season than teams score. I can't imagine you going up against that <laughs> level of competition. It must have been ridiculous. But how was that story for you? Was Mammoth always on your radar, you know, in high school? Did it kind of come about? Because um, everyone's journey, you know, to get to this point is is always different. Yeah, so Mammoth was not on my radar in high school at all. Um, my family was actually looking to move down to Florida at the time. So I was looking at schools down south. I was only visiting, going to ID clinics down south. And I ended up finding a school down in Georgia that I liked and that offered me. But then when the spring rolled around, plans fell through. My family wasn't moving anymore. I decided that I didn't want to go down there anymore, like all by myself, basically. So then it was too late to kind of find somewhere else to go. So I decided to go to Brookdale for a year. And that year was so... It was just a great opportunity for me, despite how it may look like the level of play, but it really helped me as a soccer player grow and become confident in myself and know that I want to take it to the next level. Like I know that I don't want to stay here. I want to push myself and go to the highest level I can. And that's when I started reaching out to the coaches and talking to Mammoth. So why Mammoth? Like, obviously you're from Wall, so you're, you're very local, but what, what was about what was it about the program that made you choose to come here? Because I can imagine coming out of junior college, you probably had plenty of offers. We won. That was the main thing. I was looking at other schools in the MAC, but Monmouth is dominant in the MAC, and just the whole school, like in general, like education, all the other teams, like you guys were mentioning, we have such like a depth in all of our sports teams, and I think that's a really important thing to surround yourself with a winning culture, and. It's just such a good school. <laughs> you can't deny it. Like, it's just everything about it was perfect. You know, the, that journey, too, I think is one that a lot of students maybe take, but not student athletes, right, is to maybe go go to Brookdale. or And, and Brookdale has a tremendous reputation. It really is. A, it's an excellent school, and it gets students really prepared for this. So I know a lot of students who've done that but they don't have the responsibilities of being a division one student athlete and doing that. So, so was that, how was that transition for you? Because from the outside, from us who cover the team and broadcast the team, I mean, it seemed to be as smooth as it could go. And we all knew. So how was it for you going through that process, changing that level of competition? Yeah. Well, for one, I'm just insanely grateful for the coaches that gave me the opportunity to make the transition to come play D one it was very different to be surrounded by other girls who wanted to be there as much as you did. Sometimes that's at the community college level. People are just playing like just to have fun and play soccer for another two years. So it was different being in an environment where everyone was like driving and really pushing to be in that starting 11 to get on the field and get minutes. And that was something that definitely took some adjusting. However, I think the coaches did a great job and the whole team like 
in the spring when I was preparing to come here, I knew exactly what I was getting into. So I think the whole transition coming here was incredibly smooth. Education major. We were, we had a fun off air conversation uh, <laughs> that I want to fold into here now. Um, how important, and we'll, this is, we'll lead into, but how important is the idea of community service with your program? It's incredibly important. That's one of our goals. We set goals at the beginning of each season and we want to do a lot more for our community and within our community Because like I said, the respect word, like we need to respect the community that we're in and that is giving back and going and doing things for others. And I think that's another way we could just like up our program. So people at home don't, won't know this, but uh, this will be your first of two Acapinti conversations (laughs) today. Uh, One with Eddie and, and one with his sister, Lily. Can you explain a little bit about that program that, um, first of all, what is it called and, and how did you get involved? And now you're the president of Mammoth and kind of take us through that. Yes. So I am the co-president of Mammoth's chapter, Best Buddies. Best Buddies is a program that's all over New Jersey and the country. Um, and we work to promote inclusivity with individuals with disabilities and special needs students all around the country. Um, so Lily, actually, Eddie's sister, um, she works for the NJ and is also a teacher in Tom's River And we are working to do more Best Buddies events at sporting events because sports is obviously something I'm passionate about. And to cross the two over is just, it's sports are such a great community that have so many people involved and we could do so much with Best Buddies within this community. So yeah, we're just working to do more stuff with Best Buddies and promote it and make it bigger. When did you first get involved with the Best Buddies program? Um, like a year and a half ago, one of my professors, because my major is elementary education and special education. So one of my professors, I had no idea it was even a club. Mammoth just started this club about two years ago and she told me about it and I joined and I immediately loved it because we did events with Long Branch High School. We went down to TCNJ and did a friendship walk and we just did a lot of stuff with it and I fell in love. And then there was an opportunity to apply to be the president and I took it. Yeah, it's funny. Lauren came in today and to kind of take people, you know, behind the the scenes, if you will. Um, I had texted her this morning and set everything up and she goes, oh, and she kind of sat down and started drawing the parallels between myself and my sister, who's also a Mammoth alum. Um, and we're like, it's just, no, it happens to be in just an absolute coincidence that you heard from two siblings about two different things on the same day. Yeah, we were actually going to try to film this yesterday, um, film, record this yesterday. Uh, but I had to, I had to leave work a little bit early, so it, we pushed it off till Friday. So technically, it should have been yesterday, but um, we're, we're happy to have double Acapinti <laughs> Caribbean relationship. No, it, it, you know I, I know my sister's passionate about about that. You know, it's it's the career path she chose, how she got into education uh, because of my mom. Actually, my mom was a special ed teacher for a long time, so it's kind of a become you know it's a family passion. So uh, it's, it's funny how things kind of work out. Um, so, you know, Lauren, as you kind of transition now into your final season competing, but getting involved in all these other things, you know, is something like that kind of setting you up for maybe not the next chapter, because there might be another chapter, right, that Lauren will probably have, but the maybe ultimate path, like you said, of getting into education and, and working in that field through this experience. Yeah. So I think even if I don't necessarily go right into teaching when I graduate college, I think being able to promote inclusivity and do things with best buddies, even if I'm still playing soccer or just not teaching right away, it's just such an important thing that you don't have to be a teacher to do. I can do that every day. I can find ways to get involved and volunteer and stuff. So I think 
it's important just to like, I think it's a good step for my career in the long run, but I also think it's just an important thing that a lot of people should be doing. And I think the, the interesting part about how that was phrased, I think by all of us was the, maybe not the immediate next chapter after graduation. Do you have the aspirations to continue playing soccer after Monmouth? I do. I would love to play. I know a lot of um, our alum have gone overseas. I've actually reached out to a few of them and they've been talking to me about the clubs that they're playing with. Um, so definitely I won't be done with soccer after this season. I definitely want to try to play more. I think that's one of the awesome things about the opportunities that our student athletes have had afterwards is I'm like jealous. Like nobody's getting rich over there. Like let's, let's be honest, but you're getting paid to live in another country that you wouldn't normally, most people wouldn't normally do. Don't just pick up and move to another country to start working. And, um, I'm jealous. Like it's an awesome it's an awesome experience. I'm assuming it's an awesome experience. I can't put words in their mouth, but um, you're basically living out your dream, playing soccer in another country, and it, you're it, learning a new culture. Getting to see, a, 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 like you said, a part of the world that maybe you otherwise wouldn't. No, yeah. I'm with you. It's awesome. Are there countries that you would like to potentially? <laughs> but I don't want to limit you, but like, have you, you know, have you traveled overseas? And if not, um, are there ones that maybe through talking to alums that you've been like, Ooh, that sounds interesting? I haven't been overseas yet. However, um, Ireland is one that two of our alums, Maddie Gibson and Dana Sheriff, are in, and they've reached out to me. And again, I just want to say that goes to prove how amazing this Monmouth community is because those girls who I played with four years ago, I'm still talking to them and I'm having these relationships and they can help take me to that next level as well. So Ireland, because they're there and they're going to be there for the next year and a half, I think they said. So that would definitely be interesting for me. That'd be awesome to have three Monmouth alums on in one foreign country playing soccer. And I think the the really cool thing to the just the casual Monmouth fan or listener, you know, they assume they know like basketball is professionally played overseas and they understand that. But I, I think we've all learned a little bit more about the opportunities for our student athletes and, main, you know, namely our women student athletes that yeah. can go and continue to do this overseas. Um, so it's great that, you know, you had some teammates kind of, you know, blaze that trail before and now could, you know, use the Monmouth connection, you know, for you and, and for maybe other of your teammates that have that goal. Um, ha, have you always had that kind of desire in, in your opinion to, to whether it was your, you know, in your time at Brookdale or early on at Monmouth or even in high school, did you always want to pursue soccer as long as you could? Yes. Yeah. Even with the COVID year, I was like, I just want to play for as long as I can. Like if I get the fifth year, I want to take it because I will ride this out for as long as I can. <laughs> that's awesome um and and we talk we've had conversations about the covid year and some people are here for five sometimes six years and that's not for everybody there's been student athletes who've walked away and been like you know i've done this like i'm tired so i think it's pretty um special that you have such a strong desire to stick around and um and finish that now let's talk about your degree have you already graduated no Okay, so you will graduate in May? Yes. So my degree, because of Brookdale, Monmouth is a pretty strict four-year education course because we have to do clinical hours in local schools and stuff. So before the COVID year, I was going to have to stay this whole academic year anyway. So COVID kind of worked out for me that now I get to stay (laughs) and I still get to play while I'm here. But yeah, I take normal classes this semester. And then in the spring, I'll student teach over at Ocean Elementary School. Oh, very nice. So that's already been set up. Yeah, I've already been in that classroom. 
And is that set up, is all of that set up through mom's education program or do you, or they just say, go out there and figure it out? It's all set up through the education program. And actually fun fact, Ky- coach Kylie's son, Bryson is in my kindergarten class that I'm student teaching in. <laughs> so when you come home, when, when you come to practice, does she ask you how he uh, behaved? I actually haven't been with him yet because he oh, just started right. this just school spring. year, but I will be there sometime in the fall and then the whole time in the spring. So that will be funny. That is awesome. It, it is funny, those connections. Well, I mean, just in this one conversation, all of the different ways that if you're involved with Mammoth, typically you can get to someone else not too far removed, yeah, right? It's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever. Right, saying. right. Or, you know, Mammoth women's soccer, however right. it's going to work. Um, you know, Lauren, as we kind of look at the rest of the season now, you know, I know that, um, you know, non-conference play will be winding down and, and will stop uh, right on Sunday, like Greg mentioned, home football Saturday. Talk more about that later on in this edition of Hawk Talk and then the the home match with Stonehill. Um, but then after that, you know, women's soccer in the CAA is different than men's soccer. The men play conference games the whole year and they sprinkle non-conference games in during the year. But the women's season is similar to the MAC, right, where then that, that page kind of flips. And then you go from Stonehill on the 18th, but then the next Thursday, you're down at Towson, right, for that opening Flow Sports, uh, game on Flow Sports in the CAA. So uh, not to look beyond Stonehill by no means, because like you mentioned, you, you, you and your teammates do respect every opponent. But knowing that CAA play is looming, um, what's the biggest difference in terms of how you guys approach things? And not, again, the opponent, but more the knowing that those matches matter that much more. Yeah, so this is what we've been working for since August, getting into conference play and proving a point within the conference that we're going to be a dominant team. So all these non-conference matches mattered to shape us, who we are as a team, and now we need to translate it over into conference play. I know we're all excited for it. We're going to have, obviously, not only on social media, but on our broadcast on Flow Sports and Flow FC, um, you know, a ton of coverage of the women's soccer program. Um, Two straight on the road to begin CAA play, going to Towson, going to Elon. But then after that, three straight matches at home. Um, selfishly, uh, we're all circling, uh, you know, the the next home one, you know, against Hofstra. That's a great, what was a non-conference rivalry that will now be a league rivalry. Um, but, you know, Greg, I think it's interesting. As the CAA shifts and takes shape, you know, the differing schedules, how men's soccer does it, women's soccer, field hockey, everyone else. But that women's soccer schedule is one that we're kind of used to, right? It's like non-league, okay, get ready, and then right. boom, flip that page over. Yeah, and I'm surprised they haven't kind of mirrored that. I don't know if it's just like a – I think that the men point of view is if you need to save somebody or some, you know, load – Management, I guess, basketball <laughs> term for it. But if you need to say somebody, is rest. Can we yeah, just rest. Can we just call it rest? Let's normalize not giving it a fancy name. It's it's just rest. Right, resting somebody on like a Tuesday <laughs> in a non conference game so that they can play Sunday in a conference game. Like you have that ability to do that. Right. Can I and, take a meeting off and, and call it load management? Yeah, you sure. Okay, uh, sorry. Go ahead. Just let me know when you need to break LeBron. <laughs> and then, uh, but but on the women's end, like there that does that's not an option. Like every game now from like you said essentially next week all the way through until early October or, or excuse me, early November, late October, I guess, is is an important conference game. Do, would you have rather have it be the men's way or do you like that like you can like lock in and focus the rest of the way? I'm not entirely sure because that's just how it's always been and we're just so used to that and preparing our bodies to do those two games a week. So it might be nice to have that rest day, but again, it just has never been an option for us. So we just, 
deal with it and do what we got to do. <laughs> you just go. Yeah, and if anything, it it has maybe lent to some uh, familiarity, right, with the women's soccer schedule going from, you know, what it was in the MAC and you know, now to this. Um, we're obviously so excited about, you know, what's in front. Um, I, I'm a little bit more curious, too, about you and your teammates and just us being able to kind of watch, you know, everything happen. When the coaching change happened, I told Greg this story. Funny enough, we ran into each other going into Target. <laughs> and I remember saying, hey, Lauren, how's everything with the transition? And, you know, and, and you could not have been more excited about the prospect of, of Coach Flynn. So um, through seven games and having Coach Flynn slide that one seat over, how's it been for you and your teammates? It's been amazing. And I think it's proven with our record and all the different people that are getting involved on the field. I think it just shows how well and gracefully she took over this program. And also credit to our other um, assistant coaches, Coach Taylor, Jordan, and Julio. We They mesh so well together. Like all the players always talk about like practice just flows so well. They all like they work together so well and balance each other out. And I think it was really just a flawless transition. And we got right into it in August. It was amazing. Coach Julio, by the way, the other day at, at the last home game I broadcasted, snapped on somebody. Not on the Mammoth bench. He, it was wild. I know. I, I, Former keeper in his time at Mammoth, by the way. I think he played with Shannon, the, the guy that I broadcast with. But were you at that? Did you see that? I, I was doing work here, and I had it on, like, I had it on my second screen. And I was like, I don't know, whatever I was doing. And I could hear <laughs> I'm like, what is going on over there? And I like flip over to it and you couldn't see what was going on, but you could hear because they're right in front of you guys. Our benches are right in front of you guys. I love our vantage point. It's the best. It's good. It, it's definitely entertaining. So yeah, Coach Julio bringing the thunder. Love it. And, and he, you know, being a holdover on the staff and then like you mentioned with some some new assistant coaches and, and some new, you know, whether it's ideas or energy or anything like that. And it's been good for us to get to know some, you know, kind of new assistant coaches who, I guess, right, everyone kind of fits into the program because everyone, you could just tell in the conversations, um, it didn't take long for them to just, you know, get used to being in this culture. Yeah, and you could even see it at practice. They push us to do different things because after being in the program for four years, like I have, you notice like some of the same drills at practice and some repetitiveness, but with the new coaches coming in, there's new things that push us and new ideas. Become, yeah, exactly. And it just makes us better players and a better team. Is there a, a certain amount of like nervousness that you guys have as a program when, you know, all right, so coach is taking over, there's familiarity there, but you know, there's some new assistants coming on board and are you guys like, is there any kind of like apprehension or did you just trust that, that the right people are going to be put in place? I think a lot of us were nervous just because it was a weird situation that not many can say that they've been in. But I think we all had extreme like faith and trust in Coach Kylie, and we just knew that she would take care of us, and she wants the best for this program just like we all want the best for this program. So I think we were all very comfortable with who was making those decisions for us. I have a question just kind of looking through, you know, preparing for this interview and Looking through like some stats and some box scores from this year. So, th so this year through the seven games, you have already tied your career high in assists, right? So you, you used to having, you know, 10, you know, you've had 10 goals and four assists, whatever. Um, you have four assists already. Is that familiarity? Is that just people are kind of keen on you and you're giving the ball up? And, and how much do you love? I mean, there's a lot of goal scorers who are like, I love assisting as much as I love scoring. Yeah, I'm the same way with that. Getting an assist feels just as good as it does to score the goal. And then to see your teammate turn around and run to you, there's really no better feeling. And I think that just shows how much depth we have in our offensive line is that 
there's other people that can score and can make these plays. So I think it just shows that we have a very well-rounded team. We've got more, I think, fun questions that I know that, that we want to ask you. But, but before we do that, I'm curious, your, your experience before Mammoth, not only a great soccer player, but you scored a thousand points on the basketball court in high school. Like that's not a little bit of scoring. Did you always play both growing up? Was it something that, you know, because there's so much now about, well, you got to play one sport and you got to play it all year. But if you look at your experience, it is well-rounded, right? Not only playing basketball, not only playing soccer. You know, you you play different sports. Did you always play them both? When did basketball kind of stop? And then you obviously took soccer over. Yeah, so back when I was playing, you didn't have to do like travel or just like one sport. So soccer has always been the main sport, playing travel and high school. But basketball was always, like, my fun sport. Like, I played it for the school team, and that was in the wintertime. Like, when I took off a little bit from soccer, I would play basketball. And then in high school, I would do soccer in the fall, basketball in the winter. And then for my first two years, I ran track in the spring. So basketball was just that sport that was, like, a reliever for me. Like, it was just fun. I knew I didn't want to go to college for it. I always knew that I wanted to play soccer. However, my high school basketball team was so fun. I had such a good time playing, and – yeah, but soccer was always number one. Fun, by the way. She had fun scoring 1,000 points. I just want it to be known. It's not like she had fun and just went to practice, hung out. <laughs> you should have fun playing sports. Like, you know, my, my son is 12 and plays a number of sports, and sometimes I'm just like, hey, have fun. Like, the last thing I say to him when I drop him off, I'm like, can you have fun? Like, you play, you're playing football right now. Like, that's not something many people do past high school, and he's not in high school yet, but... You'll never, it's not like you can be like, hey, boys, let's go throw on the gear and go play a football game somewhere. I'm like, go have fun. So, like, I, it's awesome to hear that you had you had a sport that was fun for you in high school. Like, let's just go out and play. And then to be as crazy successful and score a 1,000 points, I mean, that's not exactly. Most schools have, like, 10,000 point scores, especially in the shore. Yeah, exactly. Right. But I, I do feel like, like you mentioned, and maybe that's the big divide between you know, and obviously Lauren's not that much older right, in the grand scheme, you know, than your son, but it's good that you remind him of that, right? Not, don't be too serious yeah. with it, like all the time. It's still youth sports. I feel like so much of the youth sports culture is, <sighs> it's wait until, wait until young Henry's getting out there. And oh, forget about it. I, in, in, there you know. are some parents that are yeah, that's extra. Why, yeah, <laughs> I want to credit my parents and my family because my parents have never pressured me to play a sport if I didn't want to. And I think that's why I still love soccer. Like I know so many people who are like, oh, I can't wait to like be done playing my sport. But I think part of the reason that I still love it so much is because I never had that overwhelming pressure from my parents to perform or compete. And obviously they want to see me succeed, but they don't over push me into where I don't even want to do it anymore. That's refreshing to hear, I think, because you see it when you go watch your, really it's your your children compete, whether it's dance, whether it's Frank. Um, But that's like the narrative that we see that I see as like a young parent. And I'm like worried about that. So it's good to hear that. Like Lauren is sitting here playing as much soccer as she has in her, in her yeah. career. Division one it. star. Right. That's awesome. That is awesome. It's good parenting. <laughs> Shout out. Credit to credit to Val and Mike. <laughs> Shout out Val and Mike. Good job. So Just run a clinic. Can you come to Monmouth and run a clinic? Yeah, exactly. That, that would be an interesting clinic, like a parent clinic. Uh, we've talked about it, uh, you know, but that's a whole nother conversation. I feel like we're going to be a good sports parents because we work with coaches. I and, think it's hard not to be. Yeah. Right. Like I talk with the other people who work in this building that are 
that have kids or parents and are involved in sports. Like I was just talking to Brian Fisher, our men's lacrosse coach yesterday. He's asked me about my son who plays lacrosse. And he was like, dude, you, you have to take some time for your family. Like it can't just be lacrosse all summer long. I'm like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> so one of the true, I think gifts of Hawk talk is we get to learn more about the, about the students, about the individuals. But I think it's the biggest gift. I, it's my favorite part, but I want to just, divert quickly before that i'm gonna throw some rapid fire questions at you oh goodness okay okay about your teammates oh okay Whoa. and then we're gonna talk about about lauren and get to know lauren a little bit more mm -hmm. so I, I just have a couple nothing crazy okay. but i was just curious i was looking at the roster i'm like you know it's a really lauren mentioned it they're a close team you know they so we won't put you on the spot too much okay but i just have a couple of questions so who is your funniest teammate Funniest, oh boy. See, our team, we have people in different moments. Like, we are always laughing. There's always someone that will make you laugh. But overall, I have to say Olivia Denny. Okay. See, that's, that's what's good to know. See, but like you said, maybe everyone has moments of being funny. We are such a funny team, not to hype <laughs> us up in any way. But, like, we always are running with a joke. Like, something so tiny can happen. And we will run with that joke for the next hour. And it won't stop. And then it could be something so random. We just, we have so much fun together. All right. So that was the funniest teammate. Who's the best? And I'm only asking this because Kylie told us sometimes it happens pregame. Who's the best dancer on the team? I might have to say myself here. Whoa. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Besides you. Okay. I'm not actually good. I just do it. I'm not good at dancing though. Aaliyah has to be the best dancer. Like overall can actually dance dancer. Is Coach Kylie a good dancer? She said sometimes she would have to do that. Yeah, Kylie is a good dancer. Kylie has her moves. Okay. So we've got a front. And lastly, and I'll, I'll end it here before we kind of pivot the conversation and talk more about Lauren. Who, who's the most serious on game day? Serious. Hmm. I have to say Chloe Ferreira. Mm. Chloe's very serious. She has fun. She'll get up for maybe a second, but like she has her headphones in and she's focused. Okay. See, there you go. Not just learning more about Lauren, but learning more about, about her team in general. So now that we've learned about some of your teammates, now we get to learn, you know, more about you. So let's go a little bit off what we normally do. And I'll start. Uh oh. Yeah. Well, I was telling Lauren while we were chatting, she was like, Well, what kind of questions are there? So I gave her a couple. So I love that you're throwing a curveball right now. <laughs> like you can't keep you gotta keep people guessing. <laughs> go, you know? go for it. Sorry. What's no, this isn't bad. What's your no. favorite local restaurant? local restaurant all right it's not a restaurant but my guilty pleasure is taco bell and all my friends know that <laughs> that's okay uh, it is record, a restaurant uh, first of all it is a restaurant is it are we counting it not as fast food i mean it's a fast food restaurant you're buying food out i do love how people try to give it different categories like fast casual is a category now. Yeah. It's like, nah, bro, it's fast food. Like, yeah. it's okay. What What's fast casual? I think people say like Chipotle is like fast uh, casual. Okay. Or yeah. like Shake Shack where like they would say McDonald's is pure fast, fast food. food. Yeah. Mm. Actual local restaurant. I want to give a shout out to Kelly's in Neptune City. Kelly's Tavern. Nice. Okay. That's a go-to right. for not only myself, but my family. That's just, that's a staple in our house. You can't get a bad... Like, whatever you go with there, it's going to be good. Yeah, exactly. That's a good one. And we will not stand for any Taco Bell slander on Hawk Talk. Awesome. Never. I love. As an athlete, I probably shouldn't be saying I love Taco Bell, but it is my <laughs> Yeah, you made me feel a little bit better about myself. <laughs> you're, you're completely fit, and you do your thing, so you're fine. Uh, just, just going to the definition of restaurant. Oh, yes. A place where people pay to sit and eat meals that are cooked and served on the premises. 
Taco Bell's a restaurant. Taco Bell. By definition. By definition. It's a restaurant. And by the way, fast casual. Yeah, no, it's, it's a thing. You know what that is? That is a group of restaurants getting together and not wanting to be grouped with another group of restaurants. It's Co- like correct. Cool, cool kids like Chipotle and yeah, like if, Shake if, Shack are the cool kids. And they're like, we can't be slumming it with the likes of these other places. Right. But like Wendy's looks at them and they go, you're you're one of us. Right. And we will take any of those places to be sponsors. I was just going to say that. all of them. I would love to be sponsored by Taco Bell. <laughs> I don't know if they have many athletes. That wanna, but like they have like some protein bowls and stuff. I can get behind that. First of all, this sounds like the greatest nil opportunity ever. Well, that's so what we do here on Hawk Talk. We find Lauren, somebody out there who is involved with Taco Bell. Find Lauren and get her an nil deal. <laughs> She'll probably work for product. Just saying. <laughs> right. Yes. I don't want to put words <laughs> in her mouth, but it seems like she might. She might throw a tweet out there on game day. It's like, hey, going to get a, a double steak burrito right after. <laughs> right. We whoop up on X Y Z. Yeah. Team. Gorditas are post game pleasures. <laughs> right. Uh, is it lunchtime? Anyway. <laughs> no, Patty. I'm not going to Taco Bell. Wife. See, I that's. I, I brought my lunch. I'm eating my banana and my carrot. I I know we we like to do kind of the other ones. That's but I was I'm, I'm always just curious of that. You know. That was a good one. What what else you got? You want me to roll in with one of mine? I would let you. Yeah. Uh, what is one show or show or movie that if like you're at home and you're flipping through the channels, like you have to stop and watch the rest of it? The Office is. I watch that show every single day. Like I go to bed every night watching an episode or two of The Office. <laughs> Outstanding. Yeah. Uh, so my son, who's twelve, the other day he heard me like laughing because we had an episode on. He's like, well, "When can I start watching The Office?" And I'm like running through episodes and being like, I think the office is pretty safe for him to watch. So yeah. yesterday uh, we get home from whatever. Oh, we're doing some yard junk and we get inside and I turn the TV on the office is on. I'm like, Oh, this could be a, like a good introduction. So I flip it on. It's the one where uh, Dwight brings his son to, to it's later in mm-hmm. the seasons. And I kind of bailed by then watching it. Like once Michael Scott left, I was kind of like, all right, I'm over. And uh, we literally watched it and we're cracking up for like 25 minutes. So that is a outstanding selection. Yes. And not just living on Netflix, but you can't escape it even on like if you have cable still. Yeah, I think it must have been on Paramount. It was on a regular. It's, yeah, it's on Paramount. It's on Comedy Central all the time. Mm-hmm. It was on, yeah, maybe it was Comedy Central. It was on like a regular channel. Yeah. Syndication's a great. It's how everyone watched, you know, Seinfeld until it showed up on Netflix. Yeah. Made them rich. Exactly. It's a really good thing to do. So, so that, if anybody wants to syndicate Hawk Talk and make Eddie and I rich. Oh, I would be a great rich person. Very philanthropic. Would I would you love, give back to the Hawks? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I've told, you know, whenever the lottery gets insanely huge. First of all, I love how we do this. We, we wait. Know, we talk about we this wait till the lottery hits 500 million. Be like, now I'll win. I can't use, like, the regular one is like Eight whatever. Eight million, please. Right. 800. Eight hundred thousand dollars. Eight thousand dollars. I could. I could use. <laughs> please. So uh, yeah. Uh, do we do the same thing? It's like, oh, is it one point two billion dollars? Let me go get my ten bucks ready to go buy. Some Nobody iron else pants. is thinking this. I'll do so this. Stupid. But yeah, I've always said so if, stupid. If you know, I've in my mind because we've all spent the money, right? Of course, in our own minds. Yeah, of course. Fantasize. Yeah, of course. I know where it is. I wouldn't even name like a field after myself, but I would. I mean, this place has been good to us. Of course, I would. You know, support the house. Yeah, I'm in. So we de- know. By the way, I would definitely name something after myself. Would you? <laughs> I would be a little selfish and do like I would do like the broadcast booth at Kessler. No, you'd have to do more. Well, it depends on what no, kind no, of no. money. No, no, I would give a lot. Over. I'd give a lot. There's more. a sliding scale. Yeah, I'd give a ton, but you know, I wouldn't want like my face at midfield. Maybe. No. Of Hessfield and Gary's face. Right. All anyway. right. So, so we know your your show. 
are you into movies? Is movies like some people don't watch movies? You know, one of our coworkers that gets shouted out every week. Doesn't yeah, I, we're not supposed to shout like, them out. Are you in? Like, do you, are you a movie fan? Do you watch a bunch or no? I will watch movies. However, I am a big like Disney Avengers type of movie girl. Mm. Like, I don't watch many of the classics, like action movies. Uh, it's hard for me to sit through a whole movie. But I'm a big animated and Avengers fan. Do you watch like all of the Disney Plus shows? Yeah, I, I'm like caught up on She-Hulk? most of them. I haven't started that one yet because I've heard mixed reviews. But I will watch I it like think, when I, I have it's pretty to. good. Is it? Yeah, I think it's kind of funny. Okay, I have to watch the it. The first episode's slow. Get past number one. Okay. Oh, so that's, that's not a, a movie. That's a show. It's a show. It's a oh. weekly show. Yeah. So now this Disney Plus now alternates, I think, between like Star Wars and Marvel shows. And they just run one a week, like all year round. So right now it's She-Hulk, which um, the whole family watches. Yeah, but you need to watch the shows for some of the movies. So that's how it kind of like corresponds. Kind of you need to know mm. some stuff from the shows to then like be in touch on the movies. They're marketing geniuses. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's Disney. I will, I will ask Lauren kind of the question that I ask everybody else. And maybe there isn't one. Um, what, what's the pregame ritual that you have to do? I like every game is it whether it's music related you have to eat the same thing what gets you in the zone for a, a match so there's not really food or anything one thing that our team um, a group on our team some of us are christian athletes and we have been starting to do like a prayer which is really cool because that's something a lot of us care about so that has become a pregame ritual for a group of us on the team and then my song in the locker room is the Sea Shanty remix, which I actually found during Lyft one day on a TikTok playlist. And now we have to play it before every game. Does everybody get a song in a locker room? Not everybody, but there has become a pattern that like these five songs have to be played. And you know that these specific people are up and dancing to those songs. <laughs> so you could tell whose selection is whose. Yes, it's right. very obvious. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Can I, can I find the Sea Shanty remix online? Yes. I mean, I didn't even type the words in. It's in the Google Wellerman Sea Shanty remix. Is it on, ridiculous? It's on Spotify. It's amazing. All right, we're going to try. We'll probably get sued for this. Yeah, I was just going to say, maybe. <laughs> uh, something tells me that Wellerman is not suing people. Yeah. This has 26 million views. Since 24 Mark- million. Wait, is it a video or, or is Lawrence? it a song? Well, this is, a vi- this is a video, I'm assuming, with the song. Hold up. There you go. There it is. It's a good pregame song. This is what we're playing. Yeah. Just wait for it. Just wait for it. <laughs> it's got a pirate flag. It's legit. Uh, there's people dancing. Uh, since March 8th, 2021, it has 26 and a half million views. I guarantee most of those are women's soccer. <laughs> 25 are uh, Mama Throne soccer. Where, where did you find? Oh, TikTok. So actually one day over the summer, we do something called Bree season, like the local kids and people who do classes will stay over the summer and do workouts with um, Bree, the strength coach. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have like a Spotify playlist to play. So we were like, oh, a TikTok playlist. And all of a sudden this song came on and none of us have ever heard it on TikTok, let alone in song version. And after that, we just, we took it and we ran with it and now we love it. It's a staple on our team. Are, Are you a big social media person? Um, not really. I don't post a lot. My friend, I have a TikTok friend. My parents call her. They don't know her name, Cam Morgan. They just call her my TikTok friend because Mm -hmm. they see our TikToks (laughs) together. Mm. Um, we have a little account. We actually went slightly viral in August. We had like 
40k likes on a TikTok, which is pretty big for us. We do pregame TikToks every game day. So so shout it out. What is it? Cam dot Morgan on TikTok, or you could just look up Cameron Morgan. But so it you don't get any love on that twin billing. We don't get paid for it yet. We're working. We're working yeah. on becoming that big. We're working. Forty k likes is pretty good. This is the second person we've had. That's right. I think Ben also right. Yeah, he's got yeah soccer. He's got some kind of Twitter or uh, TikTok business. Yeah, I think I him, him, and I think one of his teammates. I think Griffin. Yeah, are Griffin involved in that. So yes, yes. There you go. We've got nil opportunities. We've got TikTok opportunities. Let's go. And we appreciate that. And we also appreciate you coming by. We know that um, you know big match on Sunday, getting ready for the non conference finale, um, and then CAA play after that. So. Greg and I really appreciate it, and we wish you the best of luck on the rest of the season. Thank you, and thank you for having me on. It was a lot of fun. No problem. Thanks, Lauren. We'll be back. You know, Lauren Carabin's been on campus now, right? She was here before the pandemic. That was her first fall season. Um, and we know her as a goal scorer, but we also now know her as, you know, someone who's involved in so many different things. And like so many of the athletes like you and I were just talking about, uh, you know, getting ready for this final part, you know, so well-rounded. So, you know, just great to talk to. And just another really fun conversation. Yeah, definitely. And, and the best part of this thing, we say it all the time, is uh, getting to know the student athletes. But for me, the best part is like when she started talking about that Best Buddies program that obviously has something to do with your, your sister. And I, I just feel like, like, that's just a, like another part of like the mammoth, like, like she has that opportunity because she came to mammoth to be get in the education department yep. and a professor, which I wish she would have shouted out. And I didn't think to ask her, uh, kind of steered her in that direction. And now like she's making the community better and it's going to help her when she graduates. It's just, it's just what makes this place so great. Well, and she mentioned, and I thought like, it's not like we're kind of baiting them into saying great things about Monmouth, right? Like no. Lauren genuinely felt that way about, and it was everything, right? She was recruited by one coach, played for one coach, now has another coach. But the connections that she made, not only is helping her with that, is helping her maybe continue her career overseas, mm -hmm. is helping her do these different things, whether it's an alum. So those stories are real. Like that's genuine stuff. It's not just um, on a pamphlet or it's not just something that people see. It's genuine. It's like she literally finished her 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 recording with us. She goes, "I gotta go call your sister. I gotta go do this thing now." Yeah, and then she, I think she has training or something at one thirty. So exactly. Busy. So you know, it, but it, it prepares our student athletes so much for what's next. You know, and, and you know, if you're an adult and you're listening to this, you know, life gets busy. So um, for our athletes, that that training starts now. So it's really really cool. Yeah, it was awesome. Great, another great guest from the women's soccer program. Uh, I, I'm almost positive they lead the. The leaderboard. They have to because that's that's three. I think at least three. Yeah. You know, um, three of thirty. So it's ten percent has been, has been that. Um, so, you know, with now Mammoth's second home football game in front of us, um, we have a chance now to talk a little bit more about about Mammoth Georgetown. But before we talk about that, I think we'd be remiss. You mentioned it. What was just a great atmosphere, mm -hmm. a very entertaining football game last week. And if you were there or you watched on a variety of ways to watch, which we'll talk about in a minute. You maybe saw some some new some new seating, some new bleachers, some new 
um, you know, full bleachers, which I mm-hmm. think was really encouraging. So, um, you know, Greg, kind of expanding the footprint of Kessler Stadium now to go closer to the Ocean First Bank Center um, to what on TV, when I watched it back and I was there live, obviously saw was just a rocking student section this past Saturday. The student section were, was awesome. And I think a big portion of that was our Greek life here on campus. And, and it's always something that we've talked about really trying to get better like how do we like it's a beautiful day how do we get the students that are on campus to come out to a game and uh the marketing department which you're obviously a part of and kelly valentine did an awesome job of connecting with some of these people we have a couple alums that were working behind the scenes uh to get some of uh these students out to the games and and they came and had a great time in the parking lot and um, there were no issues there and then they came to the game and they were loud and they were treated with a pretty awesome game Obviously, it didn't end the way we wanted to, and we needed to play a little bit better defense there to, to come away with a win. But they saw Jaden Sheridan break the school record with 299 yards. I mean, it was in that end zone that he took the handoff on the five-yard line and just went uh, for 95 yards, which is the longest run uh, in the in the FCS th- this year. So uh, the student section was great. Yeah, they saw Jaden running away from them with that run, and then he had an 80-yard run later in the game where he was running directly towards them. Sure. So um, – and if you blink, you missed any of those plays because of how fast fast and quick that was. You can catch them on MU Hawks FB Instagram now. They have you, been posted. You could see them there. They're, Reels. Those are there. They're available. If you go on the Flow Sports replay, they're, um, well. they're available there. And actually, I, I've watched I watched uh, Monmouth, New Hampshire getting ready for our game last week that way. The replay function on Flow is really good. Like, yeah, it works well. once it loads, like, you're good. Like, there's no skipping. So, um, but no, you you kind of nailed it. You know, it was hard to look at that game last week. And the only thing that didn't work out was obviously the outcome, because mm-hmm. even though, you know, Fordham scored a bunch of points, the defense made big plays. Obviously there's things to correct, um, which, you know, coach Callahan and staff will do and, and be ready for the Saturday against Georgetown. Yeah. we haven't played Georgetown in, I don't know, since 2004. So I was be at good that test. last meeting as a student broadcaster. Were you? I was not here even. I was they, not American. When I was here, when we played the last two times, because it, it was home and away, right? Yeah, it was through, 03, 04. I think 03 was down there. The game down there was a wild game. Thomas yeah, so, won on like a last second play. I want to say Pete Respitzi scored a touchdown late. Yeah, somebody we I had interviewed at some point for football said that that was his most memorable game. It was a great game. Joe Santapal had like a zillion tackles. He was all over the field. <laughs> like every game. Um, and then Mom, and then Georgetown came here the next year and Monmouth won pretty handily. It was a championship Monmouth team that next year. But it, it's good. It's President Leahy's alma mater. We're talking mm-hmm. to him talking at halftime. At halftime, right? You know, on Saturday. So I know we're excited for it. Um, where will we be talking to him, by the way? Well, obviously you'll be talking to him on Flow Sports. Yes. FlowFootball.com. So uh, you can... Sign up through the CAA page to get uh, to get a discount uh, that will be cheaper than just a regular person. But um, new yeah. this year, you can also watch uh, this game particularly on NBC Philly uh, if you get that station, which many people do. Eastern PA, obviously, uh, South Jersey, all the way down to all of Delaware. Uh, and um, you can watch it on tape delay this week on SNY, which all of Connecticut, all of New York – Eastern PA, all of New Jersey, uh, uh, get. So that's kind of big news that we didn't go over, but um, all six of our football games will be on um, either SNY or and or and or uh, NBC Philly. Um, 14 and a half million viewers got to watch that game last week, which I think is just outstanding exposure. And this is all due to Mama's deal with the CAA. 
which deals with flow sports. And I obviously have a lot to do with uh, these contracts over the last whatever, 10 years here. And um, so there were some people who were pretty bummed out about uh, the move from ESPN to flow. And I can understand some of that, but uh, we would never have this opportunity with ESPN. Um, They have some very strict rules and, uh, most of the teams that are on linear that are on ESPN, it's because they have a deal that is uh, hasn't expired yet. So they had a pre-existing deal with a local linear uh, uh, station. Then, the, then their conference signed a deal with ESPN, and now they're allowed to ride out. You know, can't preempt that contract. So um, that's a little bit of education for all you folks out there, um, because there was a gentleman on Twitter who was going at me the one day, and I was just having none of it, and um, I wasn't going to sit there and explain how contracts work to some social media know-it-all no yeah we're but. we're not in the habit of engaging the <laughs> no and i probably went further than i should have but I, there's just some days where i've had enough uh, i'm going to really enjoy social media when i retire but for now <laughs> i uh, i just i i enjoy it as a, a pr person um but anyway so yeah no we're pumped and and obviously it gives you great exposure and um you guys did a great job. Andrew Kurtz did an awesome yeah. job. The it students was a really, did a great job. Yeah, and, and don't think, folks, it's still the same crew. It's Super not like important. we're doing linear television and we went and hired a bunch of adults to do these games. It was still Andrew Kurtz. It was still our student crew. It was still interns. It was still Mammoth undergrads. Still our high school students who we work with from communications mm-hmm. high school. Great outreach. It's, it's still the same crew. I think that... They were at their best in, in our biggest stage last week. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it. I, and I I didn't want to psych Andrew and those those people out. Yeah, I, mean, I was careful of the whole... <laughs> it, I mean, I don't think they ever stepped back and thought like, oh man, I'm running a camera and up to 14 and a half million people are going to watch this. But uh, it, it's all really due because of obviously Monmouth entering the CA, but also because of the Parton Broadcasting Center. Uh, so there they are, the, the donors, Charlie and Trudy, given to that project has just once again, you know, spread out the exposure that, that Monmouth is getting and, and not even to mention what an awesome experience it is for our students to be able to work graphics or a camera or replay on, on SNY as I, I think Vaughn, maybe Vaughn was doing it and she's a sophomore. Yep, that's correct. Yeah, yeah on SNY. <laughs> yeah. Like, like she has, she's getting the same experience that somebody is getting who's a paid professional, so... I know we tote Mammoth a lot on this place, but that on this on this podcast, and we obviously should. But um, I think that can't that experience can't be, you know, misrepresentative as anything else, but just outstanding. As great as ESPN was to get everyone experience and up to speed, um, make no mistake about it. This is kind of the next step in the evolution of that program, which, like you mentioned, Charlie and Trudy have a huge hand in because. We make sure to showcase that room whenever we can on the broadcast, yeah. and we love state of the that. art. Um, and it was it, it it's a you know when you're hearing from people that are watching a game out now, and you know we understand what the difference is, but you know what you have your digital um, way and feed to get the game, and then you have you know you're flicking around, and sometimes oh man, you know there it is, and to be on in front of that many homes. I mean, I hope everyone realizes not everyone in the CAA is doing that. No. Not everyone is making the commitment to e- expand the reach of their brand like Mammoth is. And, you know, it's it's speaks to commitment and it speaks to a willingness of the entire university to to do that. And, um, you know, selfishly for all, me and all the broadcasters that will be able to do it, you know, Greg, we have to thank you and thank 
everyone who who did it to to do the work because um, it allows us to do what we love. And uh, there's nothing that selfishly I enjoy doing more than putting on a headset and, and talking and talking about um, you know the great student athletes here at Monmouth. And um, you know this week is is another. It's going to be a lot of fun. You know I'll be working with Brandon London, who's a former New York Giant who played football at UMass, who um, you know works for SNY. So in a weird way, it's kind of coming full circle. So yeah, yeah, and that's that's another thing. Like not not only we're going to have just super talented people working with you. Yeah. Because we're moving up and doing some different stuff. It's so. awesome. It's awesome. And it's another way for you to just take in the great product that is Mammoth football. And really, you know what, you know who really it, it is for? It's for these coaches and student athletes. Sure. Who put in the time, the work and the hours. And this is our way of, Doing what we do, but showcasing them, which is why we're here. Make no mistake about it. It's the number one and the number four media market in the entire country. Like, there's nothing that compares that. And because we can, where our location is, we can hit both of those. Right. So we, you, you mentioned, let, let's bring it full circle. You mentioned location with Lauren, well, before Lauren, right? When we were talking about CAA and how, mm-hmm. how attractive it was to Monmouth. Well, this is the folks that work here leveraging the location that we have to put more eyeballs on the product that we do. Fantastic. So we like to take you behind the scenes sometimes behind the curtain. <laughs> that's, that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. Another good one, man. Let's do it again. Uh, next week. I know we got a lot going on Georgetown this Saturday, mammothhawks.com slash tickets, Hawk walk, 10 AM busy weekend coming up. Hopefully we see you here. Get in the parking lot and then get in the stadium and be loud. Third down, stand up, yell, This has been a production of the Monmouth Digital Network. Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast distribution sites, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Pandora, and more. All rights reserved.